0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's episode of Hope Through Grief. I'm one of your co-hosts, Steve Smelsky, and I'm here with my good friend and co-host, Marshall Adler.
1: Hello, everybody. Hope everybody's doing very well today.
0: So today's special guest is Mitch Carmody. Shelley and I met Mitch uh, back in 2015 in Dallas at the uh, first national conference we ever went to for The Compassionate Friend. Mitch was doing a breakout session on signs. And that's when we first met him. We've gotten to know Mitch over the last few years. We've met him several times at different sessions and at the national conferences for TCF. And Shelly and I were amazed the first time we saw his presentation for the breakout session. And uh, we thought it'd be a great idea to bring him on the show today and share with everybody because as difficult as grief is, um, Sometimes it's good to see a little sign that that helps you make it through your tough
1: day.
2: Well, thank you, Steve and Marshall. It's uh, really a pleasure and honor to be here with you guys.
1: Again, thank you so much, Mitch, for being our uh, guest. I think I'm really looking forward to to, uh, today's uh, conversation.
2: Yeah, it's an important aspect of the grief journey to recognize in a body, mind, soul, and spirit – and the four components of our being. And and the spirit part is so valuable and often overlooked. And I think this really touches that aspect that we, that we are so connected uh, with everybody on the planet, but especially with our children who have died, that we can just we can feel that they need to communicate with us and, and we can open ourselves up and that can happen.
1: Mitch, if you could start out by just telling us your story. So we'll sort of have a baseline to see where your journey began and we go from there.
2: Oh, sure. Yeah. About sign. But I mean, it goes back to my when I was 15, my father uh, died of heart disease. He had triple bypass surgery. And so I was 15. And my mom, you know, my mom says, well, you're the man of the family now. Mm -hmm. uh, And, you know, youngest of seven and Mm -hmm. uh, on a farm. I take care of the horses. I get a job. And and uh, and she said, you buck up and get over it, you know, and and dead is dead. She She was an atheist, too. So she said dead is dead. Gone is gone. There is nothing after that. You know, and then but yet I had a dream of my dad coming home, shaking his boots off and and coming into the house and uh, for a whole week after he died. And and I said, Dad, what are you doing home? You're you know, you're dead. And he goes, I'm just here to watch you for a while. And what was so odd about it, he'd get on the couch like he always did, took his shirt off like in the summertime, put his boots up, open a bottle of beer. And he had the he had this bright red uh, scar on his chest you know, and I could see the scar all the way down his chest. And so I knew it was like postmortem because he never came home from the hospital. He died in the hospital. And, and so, I, so it was just, but I accepted it that week. I had those dreams. I said, Oh, dad's here to visit comes in door open, shakes his boots off, sits on the couch, opens a beer, puts his feet up. And I just look at him on the couch and it was just, it was amazing. So, I mean, I just cataloged that my mom said it was nonsense. So I just cataloged it, but you know, uh, he died in the summertime and his big job, was to, uh, uh, only job he had at home, because he worked two jobs, uh, but he had a Christmas cactus that uh, he had, that he had gotten. His mother, was pre- when she was pregnant with my dad, had had Christmas cactus. So my dad had it all these years, great big Christmas cactus. And so it would uh, always bloom at Christmas, solid blooms, you know, and everybody was pride of this Christmas cactus. And But my dad's job was every year to take it outside, put it on the north side of the house, on the fall, he'd bring it back inside. It would bloom for Christmas profusely. So now all fall comes. My dad is dead and I'm looking around and everything getting brown. And I go, Oh shit. Oh shit. Excuse me. Oh, I, I got to bring in that, um, the Christmas cactus. And so I did. And I felt strangely like, you know, I'm picking up the ball. I'm picking up for my dad. And I, so I brought the Christmas cactus in and it did not bloom at all. And my mom says, oh, you brought it in too late or something, you know. And I said, no, I think it's gr- grieving for my for dad. And she said, oh, honey, that's ridiculous. So that it never did bloom all, all winter. So summertime came, and I said, well, we lived on an island in Mississippi. And I said, I'm going to go bury it. I'm going to bring it out to the cemetery, to the old natural cemetery. And I said, I'm just going to put it out there and say, you can join dad. I'm not taking care. I'm not going to bring it in the fall anymore. You didn't bloom you're done. So I put it out on his grave and I left it out there. Summer. I'm not a graveyard person. Never went to visit, you know, but then fall came. I thought, you know, I should go check and see if that thing survived. I didn't water it, didn't take care of it. Go out there. It was still alive. Brought it back home that Christmas. You couldn't even see green on it. It was so filled with flowers. Oh, wow. And wow. I knew then. And I said, there is something to this. There's something to this. Yeah. I didn't know I needed that. I didn't talk about it to anybody for years. I just knew it was my little secret until my son died. And I asked him for a sign and got a sign from him. And I realized, wow, you know, this does, this will save my life. And my little gift from my dad that, that I knew that I could survive this journey of losing my son. I lost my, my, my son and my dad. I, I was ripped off at both ends and I was really pissed off at God. And, uh, but the sign that my son wasn't completely gone, it wasn't 100% gone, brought me back. Was just that crack of light you need to, to bring your soul back and so that's where it brought me i said i wrote a book about this i asked and i'll talk about the other sign that my son gave me it's more powerful it's in the uh, slideshow um but when i asked him for a sign specifically and after we moved back from mexico and we we're living and, and i got this sign and i said oh my gosh he, he actually sent exactly what i asked him for and so i took a picture of it put it in my book i wrote a book and i said okay i'm going to share this to other people that there is life after death on both sides of the equation For our loved one, our child that died, and for us who are left behind, it's it's gonna it's gonna be a sucky life for a long time. But we can do it together, and that's what. Okay, I got to share this story with people that there is a way through this, um, and not with if not without them. Not putting a black cloak over their picture in the mirrors of the house. Maybe they did that in the past, and it worked for people, but it didn't work for me.
1: Did you have any personal belief about signs before you lost your father? Because I will tell you that I have had many signs from my son Matt after he passed away a little over two years ago, and I absolutely believe those are signs from him. But before he passed away, I didn't believe there were things such as signs. I just my my I'm a lawyer, but my vast majority of family members are medical people, and they all just believed when life ends on this planet, it ends. There is no afterlife. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm Jewish and my parents both believe there was no afterlife. And I have been learning more about the Jewish view of afterlife, but to me, just, there's been too much empirical evidence from Matt over the past two plus years that he's been gone for me, not to say that this is him. So, I've done a total 180. I thought there was no signs. There was nothing after somebody passed. And now I'm absolutely, totally convinced based on the evidence that I've seen from Matt's passing. How did you feel that before your father passed and start seeing signs? I mean.
2: Before my father passed, I didn't, you know, I was 15. So, mm-hmm. you know, I really didn't, you know, I was after he died, then I didn't have to go to Catholic school anymore. So I started reading the Tibetan book of the dead and, you know, I started studying uh, the, the Kabbalah and, you know, I was, I was, re- I was mm-hmm. researching everything I could. I, I, I wrote to Shirley MacLaine. I mean, when she wrote out on a limb, I said, what a mm-hmm. great book, Shirley, she wrote me back. I have that letter, you know? And, and so I started working. maybe I didn't ever went to a psychic, but I just started going within and realizing, wow. And I did some writing that I felt like it was almost automatic writing uh, because it just flowed from a knowledge base that I don't think I really had. Uh, so I, started, I believed in it, yes. And so it seemed like I was totally prepared when I, when I asked my son for a sign that I truly believed that I would get one.
1: Have you had signs continuously from him through the, it's been 33 years, am I correct, that he's passed?
2: Right. Not, well, yes, continually. Um, Not all the time, not on command. You know, the the one that I asked him for, and that took months, you know, um, I mean, I asked him in February for a sign growing in our yard. And you know, cornstalk grew up in our yard in the spring. So it took a long time, but I said, Oh my God, I asked for something growing in our yard and I got a cornstalk blowing out of Kentucky bluegrass. Uh, so I, you know, <laughs> I, I I said, Wow, this is incredible. Uh, and so that really gave me the faith to ask for more or not even or to look for more, you know, and not even to ask as much as to look for and be aware that there can be a sign. That's why when I even looked at the at, uh, picture that earlier, um, I saw the Jordan's message on the radio and it said 1135 was the time and the station was 97.7 or three. And sometimes 1135 may be in a significant time in, in Jordan's life that, that has a connection to it as well. So there's, I look at everything, the time of day, the, the feeling, what you were doing, the smell, the time of year, our body remembers so much of all the details during a, 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 a time of trauma, you mm-hmm. know, that when we, live through this, even the smell of the fall leaves can trigger something. So, yeah, was a, I, was, I was prepared and I accepted it and, it. and it does keep coming. Now, 33 years at the end of the slideshow, I'll show you one that we just got this summer in Florida. Unbelievable sign. And I'm sharing that for the last. But.
1: You know, it's it's interesting because Steve knows this and the audience knows this. My son, Matt, passed away. And then two days later, my mother passed away. So we had two funerals, two eulogies and uh, two obituaries we had to do within 48 hours of each other. And obviously I miss my mother, but having my son pass 48 hours before my mother passed, I've not really had the opportunity to grieve my mother's passing because I've been grieving my son's passing. So I almost think that it's almost your sensitivity and awareness for looking for signs. There might be signs that both of my parents are sending, but I'm not picking them up because I'm looking for signs from, from Matt more than signs from my parents.
2: Oh, exa- exactly, Marshall, because, you know, before Kelly. I had three years before Kelly died at nine. My twin sister and her two sons were killed in a car accident, and mm. and you know I had to actually put my grief in my. And then my son got diagnosed a year after they were killed, and so yeah, I couldn't even grieve them. Uh, With I had to fight my for my son's life, fought for eighteen months. Then my then I had to grieve for my son. I didn't grieve for my twin sister until ten years later, or almost fifteen years later, when I went to a. Um, no, it was 20 years later because I she was killed in a car accident. And I asked I mm. I, I, I called uh, uh I saw the driver I had a, a clipping of the driver's name and I, I called it. We have Google now and I Googled the driver's name and I got it and I talked to him and asked him what happened that night. And it was a it's a long story, but it was phenomenal how I released his anxiety uh, that I said, we didn't blame you. My sister was a horrible driver. We don't know what happened. So, I mean, we had a dialogue and, and it, then I felt, God, I, I'm touched with my sister again. And then twinless twins called me and said, could you come and speak at a twinless twins conference? I'd never been to a twinless twin conference, never heard of them and go to a room, of 125 people that are twins and see all, none of us look alike because all our twins are dead. And, but it was just a, mm. it, but we all had the same feeling, you know, that, that we're something we're losing our, our, our car keys are always lost. There's always something missing. And the closest thing I can compare that to is the loss of my son as I can to a twin because I lost my brother as well. And and I didn't have that same connection with my brother as I did with my twin sister. Because we were womates, We had a relationship for nine months. And and that makes a difference. And in fact, the twins call us that are not twins singletons. They say the singletons just don't get our grief. You know, and my sisters don't. My other siblings don't get the grief I have for my siblings. So we can't expect other people to know what a child is like if they don't know. Um, but we can I am I'm, I'm sorry, I'm kind of growing off on a tangent here, but um well, after my sister had died, I, I asked her for a sign and and I finally you know, got this, I saw her in a dream. And she said, Mickey, 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 I love you. No one calls me Mickey anymore. And I, I, oh my God, it was her. And she, and she looked so beautiful. And a psychic had told me once that my, after my twin sister, a psychic came to me, I didn't go to her, but she said, I had a reading or your sister came to me and says that um, she's wanted me to tell you Yeah, Yes, there are golden trees with apples in heaven. And that she's in charge of all the little children that died that come over too early. So that was three years before my son died. And that when I, Mm. when my son died, I said, Oh my God, I know my twin sister is there to receive her. You know, just like I think even your, your mom was there to help out Mm. your son who was probably in that, still, I don't, I'm writing another whole book about that whole state that it happens after, because my first book was Letters to My Son, and it's all about me. Now the other book is Letters to My Dad, and it's about Kelly talking to me what happened after he died, and, and how he tried to help us through these years with the signs and through the grief, and it's just been kind of a fun book to concept to work with him again and in a, a dialogue, talking to him and feeling inspiration in the morning from him. And so it, it doesn't have to go away. You know? And that's all part of the sign that it can bring a lot of our life back that we thought was gone forever.
0: Interesting. So I wanted to let everybody know that we're actually recording video of today's uh, podcast. Uh, we'll be releasing the podcast for audio, but a couple of weeks following that, you'll be able to watch the video of our recording and our discussion today as we talk through this topic of signs. Mitch has a PowerPoint that we're going to share and we'll talk from as we go through the podcast, but you'll be able to actually see this on our YouTube channel a couple weeks after the podcast is out. So with, with that, Mitch, would you, should I go ahead and pull up? Yes, go ahead. and Yep. See if we'll we can pull make up the first slide. You should be able to see it, right?
2: There you go. Yep. I right, see it. Okay. You can just skip through that. That's just the introduction of whispers of love and the, the signs of butterflies get. So I talk about, you know, for, and this is like an introductory to, for signs and, uh, so for people to be able to identify it, they need to know what to identify and when they happen. So I'm going to go through each one of these one by one, but the prior to death during, cause that does ex- people have signs or portents or, uh, uh, actually find something following the death that indicated that they knew The love room is going to die in some way, even though it wasn't like cancer or suicide that they were planning. It was just uh, like a young girl got killed on uh, one day, but she left behind on her computer uh, the not yet file. All that she wanted for funerals, the songs, the stuff she didn't want. She did plan her whole funeral and a couple of weeks she was killed in a car accident. She didn't, Whoa. it was just kind of completely wow. accident, but yet on, on some level, her spirit, I think, knows. And that's what we talk about prior to death. That on some level, the spirit knows and can get, can inkle or help. I am not sure how the process works, but I've, I've interviewed many bereaved parents that many have saved that they have paused and they think back prior to the death. You know a couple of weeks a couple of days what was what has changed what something happened that they said that we give you a pause, and so that can happen and during the dying process, you know and after the death has occurred, and during the dying process I was with my son when he died, I was with my mother when she died, I was with my grandmother when she died, and when my grandmother died, you know i, I I was working midnight shift and she was working, uh, you know, at, she was actively dying. I go there every morning and see her. And I saw her one morning before, and, she's, and she's talking like this with her arms in the air. And I go, Grandma, who are you talking to? She goes, well, Grandpa Ernie, can't you see him? And I said, oh, yes, I do, Grandma. You know, and it's good to see you again, Grandpa. And So I was just placating her. I thought she was, you know, had dementia. But then the next morning I said, you know, she's doing OK. I'm not going to go tomorrow, that next day. Every morning I went there for a week. I didn't go that next morning and she died. And so I think she was waiting for me to 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 not be there. So it would be easier for her to leave. So that was the the first exposure, just watching someone. You know, I didn't actually see her die, but I saw her in the dying process. When my son died and his lights went out, I mean – he was paralyzed. And when he, when he died, his eyes glowed and he was looking through me and smiling and he'd been paralyzed by the tumor, but his mouth relaxed and he actually smiled and his eyes glowed almost like a poof, you know, white, blue again. And then they went gray and he, he died. And it, but it felt so wonderful to see what he was seeing. He was seeing something that I know someone was there to greet him, which I assumed was my twin sister. And then my aunt come in, and she said, I had a dream. And she said, to, that, to bring three angels to you today. And I come over here, and Kelly is dying. And she said, I brought these three angels for escort him to heaven. I mean, so these little things that, that, that continually happen, I mean, that happened on his die, death day. And then when my mother died. I'm with her. And she's the atheist, mind you. I told her. She didn't believe in God. She's an atheist. It's over when it's over. Why do you believe in signs? Your dead is dead. Why do you continue to torture yourself? And I said, "Mom, I'll be tortured without my son my rest of my life." So, like, we don't need to talk about it anymore because, yeah, I am tortured. And she said, "Well, put it behind you, blah blah blah." But anyway, now she's dying, and actively dying. She's chain smoking. She hadn't spoken in hours, and we're gathered around her and said, "Yes, it's going to be any minute." And all of a sudden, she opened up her eyes and she said, "Grandma, oh, I can't wait to get your cherry pie." And she mm. died. And. My, my, I grabbed my wife's hand and my sister said, Oh my gosh, thank god <laughs> she played that one close. And, you know, I think she actually <laughs> did not believe in God, but the last second she did, you know. And so, uh, yeah, but to see her face again, to see her face, see somebody, to see wow. Kelly's face, see somebody. I saw the reflection of God's presence more than seeing it. So you know, that that helped buoy me up after the deep grief the next day and the next weeks and the next years of drinking beer all the time. And I you mean, know, but those signs helped me come out of that. They really did. And so again, I'm just going all over the map, but that's during the dying process. Then most of the time, what we talk about signs and people in the grief world, and, and I've been doing for 20 years is uh, the signs that come after they have died. And it's in recognizing those and what we're talking about here. Now we can move the slide. now.
0: So Mitch, just to clarify for everybody that's listening, what we're going to talk about and actually see today is from a lot of people that have come to you and shared their signs. These aren't all your signs, correct? correct? Oh,
2: gosh, no. These are from people, I mean, and, and a lot of these people, a lot of these people their are, are children that are in here are good friends of ours today, you know, because they, I've been, they're sharing their child across the country for 10 years. And, and people know yeah. their child when you think, oh, they don't know what's actually dead. No one's going to remember them. Uh-uh, not when you not when you believe this way and believe that we're still connected, then everybody gets to have the joy of their life still and so that we're like an avatar for them and, and to to bring that their knowledge and their love to other people that recognize that same love and and people start to do it. When they first they get over the business that you're crazy or not going to get over this, they start to realize, well, maybe they aren't going to get over this. And again, yeah, I say you're right. You learn to live with it. And that's how we get by. And we look at everything that can make that journey better. Like in the, uh, and I talked about the prior to death. We talked about the dreams, the drawings, writings of people, the premonitions you have. Maybe people, some people are psychic. Some people are not. You get that gut feeling and, and you just kind of start to act on it instead of shutting it down. You know, you, little kids used to talk about having invisible friends and we always shut them down. Oh, isn't that nice? You got a little invisible friend. And I did the same thing. Now I know that little children are talking to spirit. They they do have invisible friends. You know, they talk to grandpa in the back seat. Who are you talking to? Oh, grandpa was here. And I've heard hundreds of these stories that of little kids under five, especially are still connected. They haven't been walled up and they are still very open. Once they get in school, you know, it gets embarrassing. They're, they're not going to talk about invisible friends. They're not going to talk. But so everybody gets shut down and becomes normalized, you know, and we really lose that gift that we had as a child. And so, when we start to understand that way, we can look at these things that happened prior and say, oh, maybe there's some indication that, yes, I can get through the grief because I know it's not completely gone. So prior to nothing, it's an important thing to look in retrospect in your grief. And, and maybe there are some things that, wow, these things did happen prior. So we can move now.
0: I think the first time Shelly and I got a couple, Shelly's like, don't you dare tell anybody. They're going to think you're going crazy. You're in grief. They're going to think you've gone off the deep end. Don't talk about that. Don't share. And I'm like, okay, it does seem a little strange. But then after a little while, I'm like, you know, I don't think God would have given us that gift to keep it to ourselves. So I started sharing after that, and I don't think they really saw me as crazy. They Actually, people were curious. Yes, they are because people, everybody
2: wants to have proof of God. Everybody wants to have proof of divinity and life after death. You know, we joke about it, but no one really believes it. So, I was fortunate enough; people thought I was crazy before my son died. So, you know, they <laughs> said, "Okay, that's just Mitch going on," you know. And uh, but but yet there was a there was a caveat with my daughter who thought, "Well, now you know, I was." You know, I'm an only child now. And, and Kelly was a center of the universe for two years while they fought cancer, being bounced all over the place. And now I get to be sent to the universe and dad says, death, Kelly's not dead. He lives on, you know? So she was, yeah, I can understand her, you know, we talked about it as an adult. She didn't talk about it back Mm. then. I was too blind to even see it, but when she became a mother, she said, I want to forgive you dad, because now I'm a mom. I get it. Mm. So, um, yeah. So during the dying process, let's go on to the next slide.
0: I think this is the next one, right?
2: Oh, and we talked about my mother, and um, oh, maybe this is the next one. Yes, that was, was my mother did see relatives. Some people do see the a figure of of God or Michael. Uh, the, Michael, the archangel, or people—you know—people will see people receiving them, especially in nursing homes. I and working with the elderly, that the uh, the amount of evidence is uh, tremendous. Uh, that who are those people at the end of my bed? You know, so during the dying process, the angels are coming, relatives are coming, and and they're—I mean—they they're, they talk about it without plus. You know, of course, don't why well, you don't see them, and so you have to keep, again take pause at, that that. They're not crazy. There's not all these people all of a sudden getting dementia when they're dying. They're, or they're seeing the relatives that are coming and gathering.
1: It's interesting you mentioned that my, my father died in 2012 and he had Alzheimer's. And he was talking to one of his childhood friends who passed about five years before he did. And we just sort of said, well, it's Alzheimer's. He's out of it. He's not getting enough oxygen to his brain, who knows what. My mother, when she passed, my mother was sharp as a tack. I mean, she was the antithesis of my father, unbelievably, physically falling apart, but mentally unbelievably sharp. And she did the same thing. She was talking to her sister that had passed and was saying, well, this is not an Alzheimer thing. This is something that we noticed my wife's grandmother also did this. Where she was talking only to people that weren't here. And so we had three times where we're saying, wait a second, once, sort of interesting, twice, is this a pattern? The third time, we're very conscious of that because we've physically experienced this where they're just, they're leaving and they're talking to people that aren't here, but they're somewhere else.
2: Yes, there's so many instances of that. I mean, truly, in hospice workers, I was a hospice volunteer, talking to so many people that experienced that. And it took it just, it's a normal process. They didn't even say, oh, like, oh, my God, did that happen? They, they said, no, that happens all the time. Yeah. Uh, so, that, that's, yeah, after, then after the death has occurred, this is where most people are looking for signs. And, you know, the prior ones, we can, will come back to us eventually. You know, when we start opening up more and our brains start to, Put things together. Um, but after the death occurred, there's the visual signs or audio or even smell, you know, but there's some sort of sense that we get. Uh, it. it- you can smell. I know some people have smelled their. You can smell their child in the wind, or I mean, you don't. You know what your child smells like you know, when they're come in mm-hmm. from a workout, or they've been uh, a little kid from the snow, and they you know they have this certain smell. And every once in a while, I would get a whiff of my son, like when he came in from outside playing, you know, and I would just just stop and just breathe it in and know where it come from. I don't know, but don't know. you know, these so it can come in all, all of our inputs. We can get. A sign, and so to be aware that psychic information that we get are from other people, and dreams, visitation, and a dream and a visitation are different. Uh, a dream is like a dream you have, well, a wishful, or we a dream of something you did before with your child or your loved one in life, and and they're kind of a mod podge of everything. But when you have a visitation dream, like when I saw my sister. I mean, I, I woke my wife up, and I said, honey, Sandy's here. I mean, she was in full color, high def, high smell. I mean, everything about it. And I can still, when I'm talking to you now, I see her smiling face saying Mickey, Mickey, Mickey in my head. It's a video I cannot get out of my head. And I had the same one when my book was published. I had not had a dream since my dad since he died. Uh, and Nothing. At all. You know, and I was so I had so many deaths after that, you know, that I never really even tapped on it or asked him for any. Um, but when I published my book, I kind of pined that, like, God, you know, I, I, my dad died way too young to be proud of me. I was never good in sports. I was never good in this. And I almost felt I was a disappointment at 15. You know, and so I really couldn't uh, you know, I never could get his accolades uh, for doing a good job. I had a dream after my book was published. It came in, it came in the mail, the whole case of books and 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 I said, "Oh my god, they're done. I can send them out." And I had a dream that night. My dad, who died in his dress blues as a police officer, coming down a valley, down a hill, coming down this hill, walking in his dress blues and looking at me and I I'm coming down the hill. And I go, "Dad!" And he goes, "I'm so proud of you, son." And then it ended. He never crossed the valley. I never went down, but He just pointed at me and said, I'm so proud of you, son. So I finally got it from him. And so there's no time limit on these either, you know, and I never did get a sign from my mom, um, you know, until on her birthday, uh, one of those black balloons from someone's 50th birthday party or something, whatever. Our dogs were barking in the yard and I go running out in the yard and, and I go, what are the dogs barking at? And they're in the garden, barking in the garden. And, and look in the garden, there is a black balloon with a silver string on it bouncing around in the garden on my mom's birthday. And I mm. said, Oh mom, you may so I knew it was her. I just knew it was her. It'd been all years since. But I just okay, fine. I've got a sign from my mom, my dad, I've got a sign from them all. And I don't even ask, it's just whatever's whatever whatever they need. You know, maybe they're on a different task that God has planned. I don't know. Uh, or we resolved everything. I res- pretty much resolved everything with my mother. I mean, there was nothing except I wanted a sign. So she sent me a sign, but that was it. There was never any dialogue and I knew she was doing good and she made it and and we never had any issues. So it brings up a lot of good grief issues too. When you're wishing for signs, you start to think, think about things that you look at the, the guilt and regret that we have and, and, and study them. And, and say, okay. I did. I have it. I, you know, I didn't know this was going to happen. Um, but maybe I can talk about it with mom again, you know, so it, it can open up the, the being in the present with them, which is so important. So at being pre- in present, looking for these signs, this was so important, just being aware.
0: So th- one of the first ones I have experienced was actually a cold touch on my shoulder. So, I promised Jordan I would run and so I would get up early. Shelly slept late because she didn't want to get up. Me, I, I had trouble sleeping after Jordan died. So i go for a run. i come home. I'd quietly go out on the patio and I'd sit there. And one morning, it's in Florida. It's hot. It's like August. And so I, I felt drawn to the lake. So I walked outside. I sat down on the grass and we had a couple trees there. They're probably 20 yards apart and i was it was the lake was so still it looked like a a mirror it was reflecting everything from the far side and all of a sudden i noticed something moving along the edge and it was a dragonfly and it was probably 3 feet offshore and it, i counted 29 times that it went back and forth between those trees and i could see it like it was like a foot over the water so it was maybe 3 feet offshore and i'm like I saw. It, I noticed it. I started counting. I counted 29 times. And on the 29th time, my right shoulder got so cold. It was like somebody touched it with an ice cube. And I was like, wow, Jordan, is that you? And I told Shelly about it. And she's like, don't you tell anybody about that. And I'm like, dragonflies don't go back and forth like 30 times. Is
2: 29 it's, significant at all?
0: No. I just counted. Of course, I don't know how many I missed before that
2: before i saw it so wow but that's incredible and and the feeling that i mean if people do get the physical sensation to the ice cold or get really warm or uh just you know feel the feel a breeze walk by you know, that, that like someone was yep. there you know like like Marshall saw peripherally people to feel it. And many people will feel, um, especially widows that I've talked to, will feel their husband sit on the bed. And they go, oh my God, I felt him sit on the edge of the bed. I'm not crazy and not on drugs and I don't drink. This lady was telling me, and I'm 80 years old and I know Hank sat on my bed and he sat on the same spot every time, take his shoes off and I knew it was him, you know? And it can be just that feeling that you feel on the edge of the bed. No, no smell, no sight, no people. Everybody wants the billboard. And, and that is, those are nice, but they're rare, you know, where you get a visual, people see them and actually talk to them. When I talk, I have people that have experienced that, but it's not the norm. Most of it's just that subtle stuff like the bed and or finding a quarter on the bed and then it wasn't there before, then it disappears and it's there again and little things like that. So that's all up at the, after the death has occurred. We're talking about all these things that can happen. And then during the near-death experiences, i I um, – talked with my mother and I kept pretty much been over that with my mother, how she saw my grandmother and my son saw somebody. So uh, we can just skip through this slide. Uh, But this is an important picture because of the near death experience that my son had uh, because he had surgery uh, to remove the brain tumor. They took as much as it could uh, and it's at the base of the, 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 neck here. So it, it, his heart started to skip a beat and, you know, it's a respiratory center, it's everything, but they, it's so wrapped around everything they had to get as much and they were going a little too deep and his heart stopped. So he was dead for a couple minutes. They, they brought him back. Uh, and, and they were successful. He was successful. but he, had, he was in a coma, uh, for a week intubated and we we're just pray, hoping praying that he would survive. And then he did. And when he finally could get intubated out, um, we said, and he said, he said, first thing he said, dad, 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 his throat was raspy. But then he goes, I, I got to tell you, you won't believe it. He said, I left during the surgery. I saw the surgery. I left up, floated out of my body. I'm on the ceiling. He said, I saw all the walls in the room, all the bright lights and, and the doctors all over me. And, the, and then he's counted the nurses. I can't remember, but he gave all these facts. And I, I said, you're kidding. I said, you really left or Yes, yes. He said, uh, I just floated up and I was there. And and he said, I was holding hands with Jesus. And I said, you were holding, he said, yeah. I said, he said anything. He says, yes, Kelly, you will be well. And, and we we're for a very lukewarm Catholic family. So, and he wasn't good at kickism. And so I'm like, you know, where's he coming from where he's seeing Jesus? You know, I said, you know, I I believe in Jesus, but I'm not looking forward to seeing him
0: right away.
2: But uh, when when Kelly said that he saw Jesus, I said, well, what did he look like? He said, Dad, he looked just like half Nelson. I said, half Nelson? Who's that? He said, one of my Garbage Pail Kid cards. Because Kelly was sick, you know, in 18 months. We had 5,000 Garbage Pail Kid cards you know, that we oh, collected. Wow. That, that was what he did. And now they're my granddaughters. But um, so this, that's just what his he pulled. I had to go home and pull out what Jesus looked like. And I was working for the Catholic church at the time. And I showed Pastor Father Jim, you know, say, hey, Father Jim, what do you, my, this is what my son said, Jesus looked like. He said, it's not the Romanesque version. I'm used to it. <laughs> um, but he said, actually, I see the the full implications of your son seeing full spirit. Anima, animus, sensitivity, strength. Our body defines our gender. Our soul does not. And he said, that is what's the beauty of it. He's seeing pure, beautiful spirit, both sides of the equation, both the masculine, oh. the feminine, the, the the yin, the yang, all everything is the best way he could describe it. And I, th- that was profound to me. You know, the, yeah, I see it. The strength, the sensitivity. He was describing spirit the only way he could through his context of a Garbage Pail Kid card, you know? Oh, wow. And some people would think it was sacrilegious. And I, no, you're kidding. If this not what my son saw. I think it's funny. You know, I think it's great. Okay. I love it, you know? And uh, so I, I share that a lot that, that he did, you know? And so I use that. I've always used that in this uh, presentation because that, again, gave us evidence. It gave us strength to go through the journey after he did die, that he had met Jesus and, uh, and said, you will be well. We thought we'd be well; he would be healed. But we know that's not always the case. You know what? Sometimes dying is is the ultimate. Um, you know when his tumors were all over his body, I was praying for his death at night because he was screaming all night. You know that. Mm-hmm. You know that nothing else would. You know, unless his death would get him out of it. You know, and nothing we couldn't do any more suppositories. He was so skinny, and and so when mm-hmm. death did take him, it was a relief that he would die, so he was out of pain. And so the undiagnosed tumor that he did have. Turned out to be a blessing that we did not know, but that actually killed, stopped his brain before the, the tumors in his spine would just get bigger and bigger and bigger. And so, oh, th-
0: wow.
2: again, there's things that can kind of help us that uh, following the loss that happened prior to the loss. I keep going back and forth in science because there is no, they're, they're all kind of mixed together. So then the peaceful transitions, I call it soul speak, you know, where we're in soul speak. soul speak. That we're okay. we're in that spot where we're in meditation, uh, we're in prayer, where we're reading the Torah, whatever. We're in that sacred, divine spot where we're communicating. Um, you know with with god and a higher power and so we're in that space in a dream world i think we're in that in the dying process and to know that we are and to to, to, to actually feel that because so many people will feel it if we allow it we can feel our arm we can feel the energy the room gets warm there's a lot of things that, that can transpire at during the dying process if we're aware and not everybody has the opportunity to be there so i don't talk about it as being the best thing that can happen but yet it, it can be helpful for the journey. But it can also, if you're not there, it, it's a mixed bag. You know, I, I wish I would not even seen my son in the casket. You know, I, I just, that was not him in there. And and I can't get that out of my head. People that find their loved one in the bathroom that had, had that completed suicide or had had a horrible accident. And you have to see that. You can't unsee that stuff. So sometimes we regret. And a lot of people will say, well, I never had the chance to say goodbye. Um, and I say, well, I had the chance to say goodbye. I didn't with my sister, but I did with my son, I did with my mother. But when it came to that point to say goodbye, I couldn't. All I could mm-hmm. say was I love you. I love mm-hmm. you. That's- I couldn't say goodbye cuz I know it's not goodbye.
0: Right. So we were with Jordan. He died from an amoeba and he was in a coma for a couple of days and we were holding his hands when they unplugged him from the ventilator. And he passed away maybe a minute and a half later. And we were there and we did not say goodbye. We said we love you. Oh, you, you did that too. repeat it over yes. and over, over and,
2: and over and over and over because you can. And,
0: and his skin, his skin started to change after about 10 or 15 minutes. And we were gone after 20 minutes. It's like we were, he wasn't there anymore. We weren't going to stay.
2: When, when the spark goes out, it's just a shell, you know, and,
0: yep.
2: and, and, and truly. And, and, uh, you know, but yet when the mortician was there to come, you know, we had, a, it was a death in the home. So the, the, the police had to come. Um, and, and the mortician and to t- take his body away. And he, he put him in a, in that bag. And I, I, I just, I said, no, I will take my son out to the hearse. You will not. So I carried him down the stairs mm. and I, and I, I still remember that I talked, I, I don't know. I think I was trying to hurt the mortician. Cause he's taken my son away. Um, cause back in the day when the kids were young, I owned a big black 1980 hearse. Landau roof on it, all the lights in the back, rollers, beautiful horse. And we use it for camping for, um, they call us the Adams family. We go camping because you know this big old horse. We pull into the campground and about, it was fun. We, you know, it was great. Anyway, that had that horse. Now er, at this point, Kelly died. We had everything we had was gone. Um, but when I put him in, I lift I put him in the back of the hearse, and I looked right into the mortician's eye and I said, you know, this isn't his first ride in the hearse," And I walked Hmm. away. I didn't, I still kind of have guilt for that, that I, that I, that I, what did, Was he think? What he, I wonder what he thought, you know, but it was, it's like, I couldn't help myself. And so we act really strange in the, in the dying, in the dying process. And, uh, and it, all the things that lead up to it, whether it's instantaneous or like with suicide or it's a, all these different things, all those change everything. But what doesn't change is that they can communicate to us after they have died. And so let's go on to the next one. Here's a little boy. Um, and we have a special rosary that this little boy is wearing. Um, I forget I'm describing this. I have a picture of a boy here, Tyler, um, who uh, some parents had read my book. And or they actually came to a, a Compassionate Friends meeting. And they were in the audience. And we everybody introduces yourself. You know, what is your name and what is your loss? And it came around to this boy's parents, and they said, well, we're Tyler Harlecker's parents, and, but he's not dead yet. And I've never been to a Compassionate Friends grief group where someone mm-hmm. was in advance, you know. Oh, wow. And uh, I, I, I was just, you know, and I, do, I talk about proactive grieving, and, and I was kind of startled. And I said, your son has not died. No, he is dying actively. But we know you wrote a book about your son who died of cancer, and we want to know, is there anything we can do to save his life? I said, yes, I have a I have a very special rosary uh that my son had that he he didn't pray with it like a Catholic. I mean, he, he didn't even know how to do it. Uh he just held it like an amulet, you know, and and uh and he so when he died, it was put away into a a, a chest of things with all his stuff, you know, and didn't think about it for years, um, because it was his sacred rosary. Until a friend of mine, you know, almost 20 years now uh, ago. Uh, got, uh, um, cancer. Uh, he had, bo- had to have a bone marrow transplant Unsus- unsuspected. They said, you've got cancer. It's coming on fast. You need a bone marrow mm-hmm. transplant. And so he said, okay. So we, he, he got a bone marrow transplant, got, fecal, uh, uh, umbilical cord blood from a little girl in Italy, uh, matched him perfectly. He still survived. He's doing great, but he said, I need something. And, and I I've lapsed my Catholic roots. And so I said, David, take this rosary. It's, it's a very powerful rosary. And prayed with it and he kept with it and then he got better and so I said can I get the rosary back another friend of mine has got an informal cancer a rare form of cancer and he was like Gollum no I said no I don't want to give it back I said no I it, 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 it needs to go to someone else David and so David gave really? it away and so I gave it to someone else it went to someone else it went to someone else I mean now David had a cancer liver cancer three months ago the rosary had finally made it back to me again. 20, 18 different people have had it since David had oh, it wow. and I gave it to him for his surgery for his liver cancer. And we went uh, for a fall ride the other day. His cancer is completely gone. He's doing great. And he gave me the, the rosary back. I gave it to my cousin who also had it once before, but her cancer came back. So it's a very special rosary, but I, ha- it's happened to be home, you know, for a few days. It's weird how it had a magic of its own. It travels on its own. I'm just this ca- caretaker. Uh, so the rosary came back and uh workers asked about the rosary. I said, no, it's with somebody right now. I they read about it in the book. And I said, I, I wish I could give it to you. The next I went home the next day. and I got a phone call from my uh, 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 my sister and says someone came by. saw my mailbox and said, I got they said, I want to drop this rosary off. Uh, I, I saw my kids graduate. I don't need it anymore. And then she died a year by a year after that. But all mm-hmm. she wanted to do is get. Well, to see her kids right. graduate, which she did, and then she said, "I don't need it anymore." I never spoke to her, but it went to my sister. I so I called the Harlequins right away and said, "The rosary came back. You won't believe it. Came back yesterday, or I mean today." And they said, "Well, w- w- we'll meet you at Taco Bell in Hastings." And so, two hours each way, we <clears throat> we met. I said, "No, why don't you just come to our house?" So they came to our house, came over. I gave him the rosary. He put it on, and all of a sudden he started to smile, and he said, "I want something to eat." And they he hadn't eaten anything in days. And he wanted Cheetos and a root beer. And the parents looked and said, oh, my God, he wants Cheetos and a root beer. And he hasn't even eaten. And so he did. And, and he's talking. He said, I really feel good. And then I took his brother, as you can see in the back. And you can't see it on if you're listening. But in his in the picture, there's a brother in his back in the background, his older brother, who's about four years older. He's about seven years old, Tyler. And his brother's about 10, 12 And I said, You guys, you know, I'm taking the the emotional risk because I've been bereaved of working with people. I said, you know, you you got Tyler's dying. This rosary is gonna help him. But just in case he does die, go in the back room and you guys make up a sign. Tell each tell a, a sign that only you guys know that Tyler can send you when you know that when he is gone. So Jacob said, okay, let's go in the back. So he and Tyler did. They came out and they said, Okay, we did it. That was again, it was a week later. The hard workers called and said um, that that Tyler had died. Uh, He held the rosary in his hand, holding it, and he went and he started using it like a a key. And he said, I'm trying. And his dad said, What are you doing, honey? And they're laying in bed. He said, I'm trying to open the door to heaven, but they won't open it. And his dad said, Honey, don't worry. The angels will come. And the angels will come. And he said, Daddy, I think they're coming. I see Jesus. And he died in his dad's arms. And he too carried him out to the hearse, he told me. So two boys that saw Jesus, both one a Lutheran and don't even do anything about the rosary, one that really didn't know about it either, and he was Catholic. So <laughs> but they saw. And so that was so and he said he had had no more night terrors. He was having night terrors about dying. Every since he got the rosary, he had no more night terrors. He just sort of blended into his death instead of being terrified of it from this. So then three months later. Jacob calls me. He goes, Mitch, I got to call you. Your book's number's in the book. I said, I haven't even talked to my parents yet. They're not at work. But I got home from school, and I'm sitting in the room. I'm having a bad Tyler day. I'm sitting on my bed, the bunk beds that I have alone now. And I said, Tyler, where's my sign? And a red tail hawk came and landed on the windowsill and looked through the window. And he said, Mitch, we made a sign of a red tail hawk. How does this happen? I said, you are so lucky, Jacob. Your brother knows it was so strong a love that you know that'll change that boy's philosophy on life and death the rest of his life. Because they have the opportunity. So I talk to anybody I can. If you have an opportunity, with my mother-in-law, I've already talked to, them, my sister, we've already given signs to everybody to say, well, here, make this a sign that's feasible, you know, that we can get back. And we laugh about it now because we're not dying. But, yeah, I think it's a good thing to plant that seed. And um, so when yeah. we can do that. And so that's preparing for the journey. <laughs> so I I believe these boys are together like like Peter Pan. You know, they're up there. Tyler and Kelly are playing together. And and I really do. I think that they our angels, our boys, they coordinate. Our children, our whatever, our loved ones communicate in some sort of, um, I don't know. But I think they do. So signs again. Here after the deaths occurred, we can skip through this. This is just the lead on. We're talking about visible signs. You see... Like I have a picture here of a grilled cheese sandwich that's actually found in Florida 10 years ago uh, where a woman, her daughter was took a bite out of the cheese sandwich and the mom screams says, stop the Virgin Mary's in there. And the girl stopped. She froze it and sold it on eBay for thousands of dollars because <clears> it looks just in the cheese sandwich. It looks just like Marilyn Monroe in the, I did not think it looked like Mary as much as it does like, like <laughs> Marilyn Monroe. Uh, uh, but it's the actual face in this cheese sandwich. And so uh, then you can look in the clouds and people can, I put a Sharpie around this, a picture that someone had sent me and it shows like an archangel. You can see the face and you see the wings going up behind it. So this is a term called apophenia, A-P-O-P-H-E-N-I, apophenia. And it's the ability for the mind to see random bits of information in a recognizable, discernible form. As you see a face in some a wood of gr- wood on the floor or in a door or something. Uh, if you see a poodle in the sky or you see an angel in the sky, you see a heart in the sky. Uh, you do see it. We see it. Our mind puts it together and we see it. It looks like a heart. Yep. So there, I, I asked some mother. Yeah. I like hear there's a heart in the sky here. I have some more pictures of this is at a different, like a, a Bobby Resiniti Healing Hearts Foundation event in Florida that I've gone to every year for 10 years. And this was at uh Cross, or trade winds park and, and looked at all the people and I could see this big, huge heart in the sky. And it wasn't even, I wasn't even taking a picture of the heart. Uh, so sometimes right. you look at your pictures later when you take pictures at events where a loved one would be there or the spirit is filled when people are filled with spirit and grief, just like you are in a church or in a graveyard peers congregate around that power and, and a lot of things happen when people are congregating and here this is in our backyard on kelly's birthday and you know this is before a cell phone and i go oh my god i gotta run out and get it you know with my pentax and but it, it looked like can you see the big heart it's just a heart in the sky with the, the sun mm-hmm. is peeking through in little holes but it looks like a heart that has been, you know, with a BB gun on a piece of metal, you know, and you can see the heart coming through. And and it can only last for a second sometimes, but that's why it's so nice. Nowadays, people have the advantage of having your cell phones with you. And even showing up, moving orbs now are showing up. And we'll talk about orbs in a second. But so we can, yeah. Here, here's just more hearts. Here's a heart in a coffee cup, like a stain at the bottom of a coffee cup. Looks like a heart. Uh, the Father Jim at the church thought looked like he saw a chalice of Christ within the heart. And so he saw that. Then a waffle batter came out of the dishwasher with a heart on it. You see you just keep looking for hearts. And there's some more slides of hearts here. Uh, hearts in a tulip flower or hearts in a walnut.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Hearts underneath a pile of leaves. Uh, 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 Tony Rambis sent me, or uh, the Rambis has sent me this picture of all these that they get. They get lots of hearts. And and with a loved one that's giving signs, uh, these after after-death signs, They usually apply it with their signature. Um, So once you know that they know that you know that they know, you know what I mean. they will send what you know. (laughs) So they make sure, and their personality comes through. And so I call it a signature. And boys love to tease their moms. Uh, If the dishwasher comes on and off, on and on and off and on again, she goes, why is the dishwasher coming off? You never loaded it or started it in your whole life when you were living, and now you're turning it on and off. Will you please stop it? And I, I, I like to talk to my said wow, you can still yell at your children because they're not completely gone. So, yes, and siblings will be jealous of the affection you have for your lost child. But siblings will always be jealous and parents can always yell at their child whether they're alive or dead. And it, so just keep them in the in the in the. In in the present, it's really helpful. So there's so many different signs. hearts can come over. All these hearts I got pictures of were found in my garden. Since my grandchildren grew up with proactive grieving, they know to look for signs. And they found all these in our garden. We were farmed for 25 oh, wow. years. It was probably an old farm and gardens they used to throw stuff in. And so a heart, heart, leather heart showed up, a little a ruby heart, and a, a heart that was a, inside of a stone. And my granddaughter said, Papa, look, that, that, the heart stone, but it's whole, but it's broken. <laughs> and I just start crying. I said, yes, I mean that you're describing my heart. It's whole and still beating, but it's been broken and but yet it's still uh-huh. whole and can function. And so it it gets an opportunity too to learn to teach children. These are the Stillwater stones. There's a <laughs> excuse me, a town in Stillwater, Minnesota, or, which is one of the oldest towns in Minnesota. And so people always go there on the weekends. It's a river town and all the old buildings and antique shops and uh so well- some friends of ours, um, and you'll see their daughter in the slideshow coming up. Uh, live in Chicago, uh, so they're now really good friends with us, and we've been down to Chicago to visit them. Uh, in fact, my son loved train, planes, and automobiles. We saw it the day before he died, and John Candy mm-hmm. was his all-time favorite actor. So we saw the movie the day before he died, and was so I'm so glad that we as a family could actually laugh together the day before he died when it was all much so much pain and tears, and so we had that. That, that, John, that John Candy moment. But when we went, so we went to go visit our friends that are bereaved, and I'll talk about their daughter later. But we went to go, I said, I want to recreate trains, planes, and automobiles. So at a TCF conference says, we're going to come down to your house on Thanksgiving in Chicago. We're going to take the train down. You're going to drive us around, and we're going to fly back. Mm-hmm. We, and your wife is going to make Thanksgiving dinner for us, just like Steve Martin's wife did. And she did. We went down there. We took a train down there. We took cars down there. And we flew back. And we had Thanksgiving dinner at their house. And when they came up to visit us, we went into Stillwater, this little town. And we're walking on a Monday afternoon after a summer busy weekend in a river town. And it's quieter on Monday. And I looked down because I'm always looking for signs. I was looking for everything. I mean, I just I, I, become part of your life. And I saw a stone. And I got it here. It's called, I said, I love you, written on it with little flowers and just like some kid had made in a project or a church project or whatever. And I said, love you. And so I said, oh, my God, look at that. And I showed it to my friend, Lenny, who was walking with me. My our wives were miles ahead of us window shopping. We were taking pictures. And I said, look, Lenny, it says, love you. And he goes, well, wow, that's so cool. That must be a sign from Kelly. And I said, well, I'll take Well, I wasn't sure if I should take it. It was sitting in front of a window in front of a shop. But I said, well, the shop is closed, and, and it's on the outside. So I said, I'm going to take it. And then so we walk a little farther, and my, and my buddy's going, yeah, man, I can't believe that. And he looked down by a, a drain pipe on the alley, and he goes, there's another one. And it's a stone painted yellow with the word believe on it. He goes, I do believe. I do believe. Yeah. And so we, we run up. um, to show our wives and I show my, and he goes, shows his wife. He goes, look, Mrs. says, I love you. And and I said, Oh my God. It says, believe. And his wife turns it around and says, you matter on the other side of believe. Mm -hmm. We go, Oh my God, love you. Believe you Mm -hmm. matter. And then my wife said, well, where's mine. I got to find one. So we walked a couple more blocks, nothing. We walked down the other block going the other direction, some more shops. And we, she went down underneath the doorway. It was closed like to an apartment. And she saw this rock sitting on the stool. And said or on the stoop, "You are worth this fight." Turn it over, and it says "love." And she goes, "This is getting crazy." But we got we got to go to our restaurant. We got a reservation, so we went down a couple more blocks, took a right, another left, and went to this restaurant. And there was a little uh, flower pot sitting on an outside beach bro table going in. And we walked in the door. Everybody walked in, and my wife just naturally kind of pushed the flowers aside. To, and underneath that was another rock, and it said, "It's all okay." Be brave. <laughs> and I've beginning to think that this is like a Hansel and Gretel thing for someone that was dying. And I'm walking behind, picking up all these rocks meant for someone else. And should I go put them back? And I asked her the restaurant, and I said, we found this rock. She goes, oh, I saw that this morning when we opened up. I have no idea where it came from. So mm-hmm. now I know that those rocks were there in those places all day long. No one saw them except us. And when you read it all together for a bereaved parent, I love you. Believe you matter. You are worth this fight. Love, it's all okay. Be brave. Now, isn't that a message for a bereaved parent? that was so eclectically put together by four bereaved parents walking who believe, who have had signs. And we know that our children are buddies in heaven because because now they don't have any – their only daughter died. So now our grandchildren are their grandchildren. They said, when are you coming down with our grandchildren to Chicago again? And so we did for Christmas, and we saw all the lights at Christmas in Chicago with them. So these are the collateral blessings that come into our life. We have collateral damage from the anniversary dates, the anniversary dates, but we have collateral blessings from the people that we made, like meeting you two guys today. Or, well, I've met Steve before, but I mean, these are blessings that do come into our life. So, if we're open and aware, there are stuff speaking to us all the time. This, in our, wow. this is a picture of a of a truck. A, you can see the truck down below. It's parked in a driveway. Behind it is a tree with a long limb. A young man hung himself on that limb on mm-hmm. his backyard. Mm. The parents called me, or not the parents, friends of the parents called me. They and this kid's name was Mitch. Is Mitch. Excuse me, I said the was word. But Mitch worked at the at the uh grocery store. I mean the hardware, store, Howard Hank, in town. So I'd go into the town once in a while, I'd see him and I'd go, Hey Mitch. He'd go, Hey Mitch, you know, we'd laugh. But I didn't really know him. Uh but then when I heard that he had died of suicide, I uh said uh, I had written a poem when a child dies by suicide and it was in my book, which I, I, I put my book in all the funeral homes, dentist office, doctor's office. I just put it for people to have and to get. And uh, so they saw it. And they said, we want to use that poem in the funeral. Is that all right? And I said, yes, yeah, certainly. I will bring you a- your own book out. So I went out to their house two days after Mitch had taken his life. And I walk into that house and, you know, yeah, you know, yeah, what it's like sitting in the kitchen table at a, at a home where someone has just had a loss, no matter what the loss is, where people are all gathered around in hushed tone, drinking coffee and eating snacks. And, you know, you know, it's, it's horrible. I walked in. I didn't know anybody in there. I only barely knew Mitch. And then I walked in and the, and the mom goes, looked right at me and she goes, why are you wearing a camouflage bandana? And I, and I don't want to be smart ass with it with the bereaved mom who just lost her son. But I said because it goes with my 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 um, camouflage Chuck Taylor tennis shoes. I said I work at the school and I said, I wear different Chuck Taylors every day and I wear a different bandana to match. She goes, Why did you wear a camouflage bandana today? I said because I don't know. I just pulled it out of the drawer. And she goes, Look at the couch. There's my Mitch's clothes on the couch, all camouflage. I go, What? Oh, wow. And she goes at the funeral we're having everybody in his high school, you know, he died in high school, all the high school, every kid is either hunters in small town, Hastings, everybody's wearing their camouflage gear to the church. Everybody wore camo. And she goes, then you walk in here with camo on. And so right there was like a a, a sign for her. And then the dad says, well, Mitch, come here. I'm going to show you something. And he goes me out in the yard and he said, I'm going to show you where, where Mitch's truck was parked. We're going to use his truck to haul the, the, uh, The coffin, his mud truck to haul the coffin to the funeral, and when we moved the truck to clean it up, there's this huge oil stain underneath the truck in a perfect shape of a heart, as you guys can see on the screen. And he said, he said, I saw the in your book that you had pictures of examples like the walnut, and he saw the pictures in my book that had examples of hearts, and he said, so I knew what to expect, and I didn't expect it, but now I know that it was from Mitch, and. Um, and then my then my wife said, "You had the camouflage on." And he said, "I don't even know what to do." He goes, "What do I do with the tree?" <laughs> uh, I I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what you need to do with that tree. He eventually went wow. to a Native American chief that lived. Uh, he works at the Prairie Island Nuclear Plant uh, near Native American, and he he knew a Native American. He said, "What should I do with that tree?" And he said, "Water it well, my son." <laughs> <laughs> uh, he said. Oh, so I did. He said, okay. I needed someone to tell me it was okay that I didn't have to cut it down or, or I should not have to look at it every day. It was just – so there, there's so many aspects of this. But because they were aware a little bit ahead of time of signs, how much it helped them, two days following, well, they're in complete shock. And, again, they love him. They, they have a cabin up in northern Michigan. Now, we've been up there a couple times, gone skiing in northern Michigan, and, and I've gone to their daughter's wedding. And I get the collateral blessing is we are fast friends. Uh, and the signs that can happen that with this family, just with them and the little things that have happened, they, they said, come over to our house. You don't want to have it at our house. We lived on the farm. And she, we came over and uh, they, I just redone my bathroom because I had a 2010 year. I said I had a stronger than a bucket list. It started with a different consonant. Uh, it's a lot stronger uh, than, than bucket and so I said, there's some things I really want to do. And I have this box of old newspapers that my dad had from World War One, World War II, all the when Kennedy was shot. I mean, all these newspapers. And I said, I asked my daughter, I don't want them. I said, Well, we're, you know, cleaning stuff out. And I said, I don't know what to do with all these. And said, you don't want them. So I wallpapered the bathroom down the basement. My wife thought I was crazy. I wallpapered the whole room with all these old, old newspapers. Mm. This couple comes over. And, and we're good, we're, we're tight friends as bereaved and 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 believing in signs. And the dad goes into the bathroom and he, he comes back out. And men read things on the wall differently than women do in a bathroom. So uh, he comes out and he says, Mitch, I have to ask you, why in the hell do you have a picture of my wife glued onto your bathroom wall? I said, What are you talking about? These are old newspapers in my basement. He said, "Come in here," and he I, and, and he brought his wife. We look in look, Lynn. We look in there, and she goes, "Oh my God, that's me!" It was an advertisement how to hang wallpaper. And I thought, "Oh, I'll be funny and hanging this 1978 ad about hanging wallpaper." And she worked at Plywood, Minnesota, at that time as the wallpaper expert, and she was her picture in the paper.
1: <laughs> <Wow>.
2: <laughs> I mean, you. I mean, you can't make the. There's, there's not even a, a, a category for that. That's why I tell that story because they come in so many ways. More, they're more like validations than signs anymore. You know that there is some s- spiritual connection, and and we were meant to be together. This the, meant to help each other on this journey. So, and here we have more. Someone asked for a sign. Here's hearts on a, a picture of of hearts on a garage wall, and uh, let's go on to the next one. Hmm. And then there's a band that his wife gets bunny because the the sign for their daughter was about bunnies all the time, bunny rabbits. Bunny's this, bunnies that. And the dad had never gotten a sign. Then he's walking along the beach and he trips over a rock and a rock flips up and it's a bunny rabbit on this rock. It looks like a Playboy sticker if you, yeah. if you can't see it here, but it looks like a Playboy yeah. sticker with the eye and the ears and everything. Uh, yeah. And I had to laugh. I said, well, thank you. I put this in this live show and I said, you know, it doesn't have to be a real bunny. It can just be the sign of a bunny you know, and, and a picture of a bunny. Uh, and, and that's the, the, again, all these things have been coming from other children and other people to show the flexibility of the sign that can be almost any different way. So let's go hmm. and butterflies. So many people get butterflies. Well, Aaron's mom said, you know, I, I get butterflies with but my son. My husband, again, never gets butterflies. He's on the beach. He, a, a butterfly shell walks up. I mean, it's a split crack mollusk shell but oh. looked just like a mm-hmm. blue swallowtail that landed right between his feet. And so these things, then they go back to the next year, and they go back there, and they see his face in the water, a reflection of his face in the water, which you can see on the right-hand side of this picture, but on the radio you p- cannot, obviously. But they can just see the image. I mean, it kind of looks like Jim Morrison's reflection in the water. And he did, wow. Aaron did look like that. Wow. This one's a picture of Brandy's mom gave me this picture of a cat scan of her daughter who died of a a brain tumor. So we had a connection right away. We talked. And at the conference, she comes down with a picture she took of the the mirror in her hotel room, which anybody else would have called room service and said the maid was really sloppy. And left this big sponge print on the window. But it Mm -hmm. wasn't there until she took a shower and this big, huge sponge print showed up on the mirror, which looked like a healthy brain. And she said, this is my Brandy telling me that she, she's okay, that she has a healthy brain, even if she's in heaven? So this wouldn't mean anything to anybody else, but to Brandy's mom, it meant everything. <laughs> and this is a, uh, a, a cat's, uh, what do you call the uh, ultrasound for a child? Ultrasound. This was in the TCF, or, I mean, a uh, um, TAPS conference. I a TAPS mom and said her daughter was having a baby, but uh, her. Nephew had was was killed in Afghanistan, and he was couldn't wait to see his nephew. Uh, Garrett could not wait to see his nephew, and then he died. He couldn't. And the baby was still in utero, and they had this ultrasound, and it shows a picture of Garrett doing gucci gucci goo underneath this child's chin. <laughs> and since I've had this up for several years, uh, I've had more people send me ultrasound pictures. It's amazing. Oh, wow. Pictures that come through this shows some sort of something. Uh, that maybe other people say, "Oh, it's wishful thinking." You're looking so hard, you know. Well, yes, we are, you know. And I found it, thank God, you know. So it's, it, <laughs> yeah. So don't try to intimidate me with your doubt. Uh, just say thank you and or appreciate appreciated that that you know. And, mm-hmm. I don't want to yell at people. But here's I know this is one of Steve's this, favorites. This is
0: one of my favorites. This one made Shelly and I the hair on the back of our neck stood up.
2: Well, why don't you tell it? Can you can you remember? No, no, no,
0: no. I want to hear it again. So.
2: Yeah, you know, and what's so funny is today, the man who gave me this picture, this is over 10 years ago, um, he, he, just, he just sent me a, a, a Facebook picture today. I haven't heard from him in years. And he said, I voted for Biden. We're not getting political here. But anyway, I haven't heard from him in 10 years. And it's just it so good to see him. And if ever I ever go to Atlanta, I always look up him. Again, another collateral blessing. Jim is a collateral blessing that Michelle's dad is. And, and we always meet at Waffle House in Atlanta whenever I go there. So the picture his his daughter Michelle had died. Then his other daughter was taking took his old Pentax camera, and it was still in high school. And she did a project for uh, um, high school uh, photography class, and she was taking mountain pictures. And she took some like in Asheville, North Carolina, when they were visiting. And she was doing these different mountain pictures, and and so we're, the the, the principals hanging them up for the show. And she had like a series of mountain pictures, and they had this one, and when they were going to hang it up on the wall. It was sideways. They're looking at it sideways, and they go, oh, my God, you can, for, you can show Marshall. When you, when you turn it sideways, it looks just like the silhouette, not silhouette, but the three-quarter view of his daughter, Michelle, like she's wearing a beautiful feather hat. You can see her eyes through it, her nose, her lips, oh, her, wow. her, her, uh, <laughs> the shape of her neck, the shoulder, the countenance of just uh, of, of peace and reflection. And then this is the, what we're seeing on this road picture. And then the next picture I'll show a picture of Michelle next to it, and you can see the similarity of her <laughs> oh whole thing. And <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Jim, when I met him, it was an all-day workshop. In the morning, we talked about the uh, our children's death, and he talked that they had gone camping uh, in Florida, and that his daughter had gone missing, and they couldn't find her. Looked on the beach, and they found her purse and her clothes, and and saw her arm floating in the water. She had been eaten by an alligator. And so then to see him in the afternoon, he's got this picture in his hand, like he's got a grandfather with a grandbaby. And he said, oh, you got to see this picture. You got to see this picture. And I could see how much that, I I could see it as a, you know, the witnessing people and see them how they were in the morning. Uh, and uh, the pain of the grief. And then I see them in the afternoon, we're talking about signs and see them glow with a recognition that their that their child lives on. And so this picture is
0: phenomenal. And so, so I, I didn't get the chance to go back when you did your presentation the first time. But we we're like, wow, where did that come from? And now you go back and you look at it and it's like, there's no way you could have seen that. Until no, somebody cool. hung I mean, it up wrong.
2: It's just a long, a long road, some right. trees and a mountain in the background. The mountain is her shoulder. I mean, the road is kind of the silhouette behind her. Uh, the trees are her lips and her eyes. And <clears throat> it's just, it's, it's amazing. Um,
1: just wow. The,
2: <laughs> you think you see all that, don't you, Marshall?
1: Yeah, it's it's incredible because I'm looking at this. You're trying to turn my head to see the road. And, you know, your, your brain just, it's almost hard to...
2: Hard to go back
1: you know, once you see yeah. it. Yeah. It's incredible. That is amazing.
2: Thank you, Jim Reeves. I'm going to have to tell him we did this today. Wow.
1: That was uh,
0: awesome.
2: And let me know when you get the copy of this so I can send it to him so we know we talked about it.
0: Uh, so, right.
2: <laughs> synchronicity and serendipity. You know, these words are used interchangeably about when things just happen at the right time. Synchronicity is more the timing that it happens, like uh, synchronicity is when you find the dime on the ground and when you bend over to pick it up, uh, the, 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 the falling debris that was going to hit you in the head when swinging by and you miss that, that was the serendipity. That was the luck or the good fortune that came from the synchronicity. Uh, so those things happen when you sit at a conference and you sit next to somebody, you have no idea why, and you realize that, oh my God, they, their child of the same loss or same birthday, or you would know that you were meant to sit at that table. There's some manipulation, some God, uh, not manipulation, guidance, I guess, or pushes or nudges that gets us to feel these synchronicities that happen. License plates, uh, billboards, uh, uh, seeing a falling star, seeing a double rainbow, seeing a rainbow in uh, a, a clear sky, all of a sudden seeing a rainbow. Billboards with your you know, ch- your child's name on her loved one. License plates are obvious. Those happen a lot people that you're supposed to meet, repeated numbers, and numbers is another huge thing for so many people that the same number comes up all the time. And for my number, and it's been coming up for years, is 420, which is embarrassing now because it's kind of a college term for smoking dope. But, But I get it. When I get a room number, or I get change, or uh, and I and it, it's, it's happened so much all the time that even my granddaughter, we're we we arrived at a hotel in Canada at a TCF conference, and and we moved to the hotel, and she goes, Papa, it's four twenty. Duh, that's Kelly. And then we go next couple of days, we went camp, we went uh, you know bar, uh, downtown and touristing, and we go to a parking lot and we get out and punch the parking to leave, and she goes, What time does it say on there, Papa? Four twenty. She goes see mm-hmm. so i mean it happens all the, these these 420s kind of happen all the time and then i looked uh when she, my granddaughter was born and i was straight because she was born on my son's death day and so i was curious what day she would what hour she was born at compared to what hour kelly was born at because i knew it was early in the morning we look up kelly's best birth certificate guess what day time he was born at 420 in the morning so now <sighs> i i get it and even i was going through stuff cleaning up my office and i found the uh uh, the invoice from Beaver's Pond Press uh, for my book that was first published and the invoice for the cover art was $420. So, I mean, it, it just, it, it once you recognize it, you'll see it all over the place. And so I don't know if you guys have had any numbers at all.
0: Shelly sees 11s all the time.
2: 11s and 11-11 is a lot too. 11, eleven. So Jordan
0: was born in November, which was the 11th month, ninth day. She sees 11s all the time.
2: That, it, it, it happens a lot. It, it truly does. Now here with, uh, this is Austin, the sign for Dylan. Jerry Moore sent me this in. It's confusing. But Dylan's brother died. His brother, Austin. Uh, people were getting signs. And he, he says, it's my brother. We were the best of buddies. We were only three years apart. And he said, how come I don't get signs from him? And so they were going to Wisconsin Dell's. And he said, oh, I, let's do one more set of rides. And he went, I'm going to get 100 bucks worth of change. And he goes to an ATM and puts the money in. All his money drops out of the ATM, the 20s, one at a time. Well, the last one comes out, has Austin written on it in magic marker. And and, and Dylan's girlfriend says, I work at a bank. We destroy those. That can't be. How could that get in there? And and to come, Austin, out of an ATM when you haven't had a sign. And not. I mean – It was incredible. That just so much for Dylan. He said, finally, Austin, you got to.
0: So was that the last 20 that came out of the ATM? That was the last
2: 20 out of the hundred. Yeah. (laughs) It just came filing out and the last one had Austin written that like, here you go, brother. You know? Wow.
0: That's cool.
2: And this one is phenomenal. Um, because this is years, years later, you know, um, this is probably only five years ago. And, uh, I know, you know, Alan Peterson, uh, right Steve. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, Alan- actually
0: Marshall's Marshall's met him. Alan's been on, oh, the, he's been on the
2: show. Yeah. I thought you said he had. Yeah. Yep. So Alan and I, we've been on, the, we're not doing stuff on together anymore, but we were on the road for a lot, did a lot of conferences together and the Horsley's have a, um, uh, open to hope program. Anybody that's listening, check out open to hope.com. It's a vast plethora a wheelhouse of information for the bereaved. Uh, and we were doing a filming, um, in uh hollywood not in hollywood but in in that in that area uh because the horsley's have a studio and we filmed we were there all day filming and actually it was near sanford university that's where it was so we are and we're we're all done we said oh let's go to a pizza college pizza place eight o'clock at night we're wiped out in the studio all day and we go into a busy restaurant or a college restaurant you know the big pizza place with all the big booze with all the burnt you know, names written into it and scrawled into it and on every place in the whole building. Kind of, There's one place in Chicago I've been to is like that, too. But probably a lot of places. But anyway, we go in and we're going to sit down at a table that was open. And Alan's wife says, I don't like sitting at a table. I want to sit in a booth. And we said, well, this is the only table open. And so she goes, I don't care. And she goes, there's people are leaving over there. And so a few people got up and left. We ran over there and sat down in the dirty booth. And and so we'll wait for the waitress. The waitress came over, said, "I'll clear your table." She clears the stuff in front of me, and I look down, and it says, hmm. "KC," which is my son, my son's initials, son's Kelly Carmody. Finish. You know, mm. and I always wanted to call him Casey is. I mean, he never got old enough to give him my nickname. I call him, Hey, Casey, you know, but anyways, Casey's there. And I said, Oh my God. And there's a heart beneath it. It's a, like a sign, a cart with my mm. son. And then I look further down. It says Mitch underneath the heart, Kelly Carmody above it, the heart and Mitch underneath the heart. Well, you can't make this stuff up either. And I said, this mm. is uh, Alan. Yeah, I thought Alan. Hey, look what I got! I got because now we've been on our grief journey long enough. We we can say it almost with humor. Hey, hey, look what I got, buddy! You know, come on. Where's Ashley's sign? And he goes, well, well yeah. I don't know. So, so they they move some more stuff, and if you go to the next slide, his daughter's Ashley oh, wow. Ashley Peterson AP. with a giant Gross. AP in front of him. He I won't tell you what he said, and he said, "Oh my God!" And then Dian- uh, Denise. His uh, wife, you know, is sitting there waiting, and she looks and all glum, and she goes, well, I see Kelly. And we know – I mean, we talk about our kids all the time. I see Kelly, and I see uh, Ashley's there. But where's my Shawnee? How come I don't get a sign from Sean? And I said, well, I don't know. Uh, all the tables are gone. I said <laughs> – she, she said, hmm. oh, wait a minute. And she moved that little six-pack of uh, ketchup and mustard and all that stuff. She moved that aside. Underneath it, it says, love, Sean, die. And her name is Denise. <laughs> and a heart and a big heart love sean with a heart a kelly and a heart you this is beyond comprehension that the three of us would have our children's name on the table and diane denise's name and my name mitch Alan's initials and his daughter's initials are the same so that was that worked out for him he had so yeah you can't even break this down uh uh, it's just impossible
0: Thank you for joining us today on Hope Through Grief with Mr. Mitch Carmody and our discussion on signs. I think we're going to break the episode here uh, because the uh, content goes quite long. You'll have a chance to listen to part two next Thursday. Uh, It'll be out as episode 22. And we'll continue our discussion on signs and then we'll follow up with the uh, video recordings for you of this uh, discussion And what Mitch has shared with us online, you'll be able to see everything uh, the second weekend afterward, we finish up part two. Thank you for joining us today, and be sure to look for part two next Thursday. Thanks. Thank you for joining us on Hope Through Grief with your co-hosts, Marshall Adler and Steve Smelski.
1: We hope our episode today was helpful and informative. Since we are not medical or mental health professionals, we cannot and will not provide any medical, psychological, or mental health advice. Therefore, if you or anyone you know requires medical or mental health treatment, please contact a medical or mental health professional immediately.